Craft Beer Radio, episode 339, on June 20th, 2015. Welcome to Craft Beer Radio, with those summer nights. They have started, well technically they start tomorrow, but by the time you hear this, it'll be summer. Oh, that's just a great song. It I is love a good that song. song. So much. It is a good song. If you say so. Alrighty. Well, we got a blue vice here. I say we start with that. What do you think? Um, do you want to do that or the brown ale? Blue vice. Okay. So yes, th- this is a um, what's this? A show? Uh, there's no real. This is summer. Start of summer. This is from Round Guys Brewing. They're here in Lansdale, Pennsylvania, pretty close to us. This was a purchase? No, sent in. Sent in by, by the brewers. Yep. Scott Rudich, he uh, long used to listen to the show before he was a brewer. Fantastic. 3.7% alcohol by volume. I would call this eminently sessionable. Pilsner, wheat, rye malts, German floral hops. Pours. Not so cloudy, like super duper cloudy. It's very white, like pales, just a little hint of yellow to it, but it's like mostly white. They say tart and sour, deriving from a by-the-book traditional mash, no-boil fermentation. So they get it hot, but not boiling. Yeah, so, I mean, they do the mash, Mm -hmm. they run off, and, uh... I'm trying to remember from that process when it would be hopped. They maybe they. Uh, I'd have to look into it. Maybe we can try to get our production assistant mm-hmm. to uh, look up the no boil process. I heard of no boiled Berliner Weisses, mm-hmm. but you don't come across them very often, so yeah. I forget the exact steps. So yeah, it's a. It kind of looks like cloudy lemonade. It's very turbid. Yeah, it's yeah. super duper cloudy. And lemonade's a good call. It, it's. Like I said, it's more white than yellow. Mm-hmm. There's kind of like some uh, density, like it's dense, more cloudy in some places. Like there's little wisps of clouds in there. The aroma is tart, tangy. There's a lot of uh, a lot of very bready character on the aroma. Not bretty, bready. Mm-hmm. It has. Uh, Like a lot of kind of fresh wheat and fresh mm-hmm. uh, barley. Yeah, the wheat kinda. really kind of comes yeah. through. Throw in a little orange or lemon peel on it. Like I said, Pilsner wheat and rye malt trees in here, so there might be a little bit of a spicy uh, play too. It's interesting. It's hard to uh, it's hard to pull together in a Berliner Weiss the aroma and the flavor because they're usually pretty different creatures. Mm-hmm. The you know the the tartness, the pH level of the of what's going on inside the beer gives that tartness. It doesn't necessarily come through so much on the aroma, which is mostly the plain old uh, bready stuff. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, the tang on the nose it almost. Smells kind of like a Sour Patch Kid tastes. You know, it kind of has that same kind of zing up in your nose that you would think when you're eating a Sour Patch Kid. Maybe a touch of, like, Greek yogurt or mm-hmm. something on the aroma as well. 
It could be a little bit something like that. They say here this is a base for creativity. They say add raspberry syrup, woodruff syrup, or simply build your own Berliner Mosa. That'd be an interesting <laughs> idea if it mixes with champagne. I had a... Um, where was I? Had a Berliner Weiss. On Earth, oh, I'm sure. I had a Berliner Weiss at Rivertown. And you could pick like from like eight different syrups to put into it. Woodruff wasn't one of them, uh-huh. though. It's like mango and watermelon, raspberry and apple. And it might have been you. I bet you could have asked for it. They might have had it. They like might have off menu. I generally like them straight anyway. Particularly tart and tangy. Gives a um, kind of lemon slash orange mm-hmm. citric like bite. Uh, though it's there's also a little bit of, of maybe lacticness in there. Yeah, I mean, big tang towards the uh, mid to late taste. It's kind of like a lemon lime type flavor, mm-hmm. like a sprite type flavor. If you could like take all the sweetness or most of the sweetness out of a sprite, it ends a little. Hmm, it ends a little slightly. Crust, uh, bread crusty. Um, I would actually say it kind of ends a little husky, like a malt husk. Yeah, I was trying to say it's woody, but not woody. And, and I, yeah, so malt husk is is decent. I think. Yeah, I haven't quite figured out a good term for for how it ends, but it, it's. It, it. I mean, because knowing that it's no yeah. boil. It's it's leading me down this path even more, I think. But it kind of, you know, it has a bit of worky taste to it where, uh, I'm not saying husky is a normal part of, of a word taste, but there's certain things in the taste that kind of maybe remind me of the mash tun or something like that. So yeah, the, the, the bark of the... Of the barley in this in that sense, right? It's <laughs> you could just call it the husk. Yeah, the husk. But for those who who are not experienced with you know playing around with barley a lot, it's the outside stuff that that just gets uh, thrown that basically gets thrown away after you've done mm-hmm. your mash. Yeah, as I smell it, it's kind of I'm getting a little bit more dialed into kind of a, a tangy yogurt. That's that lactic-ness, mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, it, it it's. It's pretty acidic for, um, for the most Berliner Weisses that I've been mm-hmm. tasting recently. I kind of, I, I kind of dig it actually. It, yeah. it's, it's it's more sour than you're used to. I think it's um, pleasing in that sense. It, it, it's really nice and drinkable, and, and and it also means that it's 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 drinkable, but it's not overtly so in the sense that you can actually have a couple of these and feel satisfied as mm-hmm. opposed to. Uh, down, 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 down. And all of a sudden, even if there was three point seven percent, you suddenly had eight of them, and now it doesn't matter. Oh no, absolutely. The um, what was I going to say? In the aroma, I'm you know now that we're getting kind of accustomed to the tang, I th- I'm able to pull out more nuance in the aroma. I'm getting kind of like a wildflower honey or something like that, kind of a sweet honey type of aroma coming off of it, and then almost I want to say like pomegranate. Interesting call. I'm going to have to disagree with you, okay. but uh, okay. If nothing else, it's actually of, a weird. 
it's almost like the skin, the skin of a pomegranate or maybe um, tangerine or not. No, no, not tangerine. What am I thinking of? I'm thinking of. Um, but fruit that's like a peach, but not fuzzy. Oh, um, what's that called? Oh, God. <laughs> Stop yelling at your at your yeah, stop device. yelling at us. Uh, I know what you mean. Oh, but like the skin of that, mm. you know, it's kind of a smell that's kind of coming from that skin. What I'm smelling is actually something more like if if you were to take a, a decent quality but not superb quality bourbon um, and get rid of all the alcohol and. A good amount of the woodiness flavor, you might get the aroma that's somewhat similar to this. So it's sort of a corn husk kind of aroma. Okay. It's, it's um, okay. You know, so it's the huskiness follows through, but it's it. If you take a bourbon and remove everything that makes it a bourbon, well, but there there's still a part of that that reminds me of like right. a like a Jack Daniel's black, like a you know decent but not spectacular bourbon. But I think the aroma is not really the... Speaking of bourbon, I'm still working my way through Lou Bryson's Tasting Mm -hmm. Bourbon book. Tasting Whiskey book. It's really good. So, I would recommend that if you haven't checked that book out yet... Absolutely, our friend Lou. uh, People check it out. Yeah, I mean, I'm promoting it partially because, you know... Well, it's a good book, and our friend Lou wrote it, so Mm -hmm. that's the main reason I'm taking time to say it right now. You should check out this book. It it is worth it. It's uh, giving me some... Tips for tasting whiskey that I haven't had previously, and it actually is going to carry back into my beer tasting as well. Here's a neat, neat trick. Hopefully, you know, it's not spoiling it from the book, but when he learned a trick from someone from, uh, I think he said from BTI, from Beverage Tasting Institute, and really say who it was, but um, in a tasting, it it could be, (laughs) but in doing a tasting, uh, the one thing that one guy would do to reset his palate is he would smell the... uh, crawl of his elbow so it kind of do that to reset smelling himself and okay. then it would kind of reset some of the senses so i haven't taken to using that one yet but it's the same concept roughly as um as an aperitif or, or a, you know a um a sherbet in, in the middle of mm-hmm. something just right. to cleanse your palate to give us something wildly different so that well it's not so much why it's actually not really wildly different, but something very familiar. Your smell, oh. the smell of you, the smell of your clothes, you know, that kind of thing. So it kind of resets that way. Hmm. Okay. I don't know if I buy that, but maybe I'll try it. What the heck? Just because I don't buy it doesn't mean it's not true. <laughs> right. There's a lot of complexity in this beer for being a little 3.2 thing. I do think that's why Berliner Vices are becoming more popular among brewers, because they're a way to get a good amount of complexity of flavors without without spending a lot of money. I mean, mm-hmm. and without, you know, you, 3.7%, you're not putting a huge amount of malt in this. You don't have to do, a whole, I mean, just the same basic kind of... I mean, there might be more labor. I, I don't know. Like, maybe they let the mash sour overnight or something mm-hmm. like that. You know, typically, they get this kind of acidity. There's a time mm-hmm. component in it. So, like, a lot of people will do kettle souring, right? Where right. they'll do a normal mash. They'll run it off to the kettle, and they'll let that sit overnight before they boil it. Uh, so, somewhere there's a period of time. So, the brew house is tied up for a mm. period of time when you're making a blender vice. So, I mean, that adds cost. But, 
as an example, I mean, I remember we, we discussed at one point you possibly bring a Lambic, and you said, well, if you want to do that, you have to have a whole different brew equipment for your Lambics. If you want to make sour beers that are not soured this way, you have to either be extraordinary with your cleanliness or... I know it's funny because I'm actually thinking about it again. I just picked a whole bunch of cherries, like a ton of cherries, and I'm okay. thinking about making a creek or something like that. Would that ruin one of your vessels, your fermentation vessels? If I use, I'm thinking, you know, if we use one of the glass carboys, but I don't know. That's the thing. You yeah. don't have to worry about that with a brown place. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anything you do hot side souring, mm-hmm. is, you don't have to worry about introducing bugs into your equipment. Brownie on, you want to go that way? Sounds good to me. This is from Bonfire Brewing. Was this sent, sent to us? Thank you, Bonfire. Dem Shits Brown Ale. D E M S H I T Z. Uh they have teamed up with the rowdy folks of Dem Shits to spread the beer gospel. I'm not sure who Dem Shits is now. Now I need to look this up. Unless Dem Shits is like a place. I don't know. Uh, Demshits, demshits.com. We are all Demshits. <laughs> That's it. It's the same logo. What is that? T shirts? I get. Uh... No. Kayaking? Looks like it. I guess some sort of. Outdoorsy something? The whip? Yeah, it looks yeah, like some kayaking. sort of kayaking thing. Yeah. They do gorge rentals. So, yeah, I guess they do kayaking. About. Oh, there's a whole about page. Legend of Dem Shits. What is Dem Shits? Who is Dem Shits? Uh, Bonfire Brewing is out of Eagle, Colorado. And, uh, yeah, we crossed paths and, and they decided to send us some beers. All right. Anyway, it, it, it's some company that does kayaking stuff. Um, 5.8% alcohol by volume, 29 IBUs, hopped with Willamette. Oh, that's all you got? I was going to look something up here while you were giving your notes. That's all I got. I mean, if you want SRM, I can give you that. But <laughs> I was just looking to see where Eagle, Colorado is. I got Google Maps up here. And, come on, you zoomed in too far. It's on the other side of the mountains from Denver, it looks like. Near Glenwood Spring. The color is kind of a cola-ish. It's a darker brown with some red highlights. Pretty clear. Yeah, there's definitely reddish ruby coming through. Interesting that on their website they say it's a smooth drinkable brown that comes in at around 5.5%, and they label the alcohol by volume as 5.8. So... (laughs) Well, you know. It's at around 5.5%. Yeah. You're within... You're within one, so I guess... (laughs) The aroma on this one, it's giving a nice kind of toasty... Yeah. 
toffee caramelly aroma. It's really sharing itself. And a slight kind of smokiness is coming through too. Just a little smokiness. I'm getting um something a little the caramel is actually got a whiff of kind of maybe you got me thinking bourbon now, but you know, I kinda of got a kind of a bourbony like type cinnamon carrot not not so much cinnamon, but you know, kind of like the not the spicy side of cinnamon, but kind of the, the some of the undertones. The sweeter side? Yeah, the sweeter side with caramel. Maybe a little bit of vanilla. See so if if you're in interesting tip if you want to sweeten your coffee but you don't want to use milk cinnamon is actually a really good way to do it yeah mm-hmm. yeah it smells really good so around the top of the can it says chocolate malt and roasted barley Willamette hops, brown claw. I'm not sure what the brown claw means. <laughs> Unless it's just a something to do with them shits or mm-hmm. something like that, and they're just saying it's there. So roasted barley is not typical for a brown ale. Mm-hmm. No, that's typically the kind of stuff you find in a stout or a porter. Yeah, I mean it's um, it's it's. I think it's one of those this example of a brown ale that's. Leaning into the flavors as opposed to being more balanced. Mm-hmm. Um, it's leaning in on that roasty uh, side. The Willamette hops are giving a... So Willamette comes through... How do, how do you characterize these hops? They're a little peachy with a little bit of orange there, too. It, it's, it feels like it's on... It, it it's less of a big grapefruit hit and it's more of like a, a slightly sweeter Yeah, there's some evergreen in yeah. Lamette too. Not it's not like Chinook like pine mm-hmm. or anything like that, but there's a touch of evergreen or something foresty. And I'm tasting that more so than peachy uh in this beer. It's a good drinker. It's uh yeah. quite enjoyable. I, I like a I like a brown ale that like I said that leans in, that goes more towards porter than not. So it gives you a lot of flavor to mm-hmm. go along with it. So this is, you know, a brown ale that I'm... Doesn't, it has a touch of roast in the flavor, but it's not full-on roast. Yeah, it's not astringent. It doesn't have those kind of qualities to it. But Yeah, it, so it, I mean, I think it's I think it's well-placed, you know, calling it a brown ale. And, but it, it definitely is a starting to straddle that line. There mm-hmm. is a touch of roast in the flavor, but it's not full-on roasty. It carries a lot of toast and toffee flavors. It definitely feels like if you were going to go in one direction porter versus stout I would call this closer to a porter than a stout it just it doesn't have the creaminess quality it doesn't have the um, oh sure you know you can see that this could there is the, the category of brown porter right which is probably pretty close to what this is mm-hmm. but you know most people aren't really familiar with that category when they hear Porter, they think robust porter. Yeah, but if you look at like BJCP guidelines, you'll see there's actually a category for brown porter too. Speaking of other beers and categories, things I did want to bring up that Zymergy's 2015 best beers in America results are out, and partly because you know this is a um, this is the blockbuster awards of <laughs> beer. Uh, did they ask their their readers? To tell them what the best beers were. Members of the Homebrewers Association, sure. Um, 
And they're they're just you know it's forty eight IPAs and a few other stuff. It, and it's but all you said something. What did you say in your IM to me? It was like you know just shows that you know popular. Yeah, it, it's it's to me similar to the Emmys or the Oscars. Does does the really best movie of the year win the Oscar? No. Does the real best TV show of the year win? Very rarely. It's normally what's the most popular thing, um, and so and I don't. But if they're just counting votes, then I don't most popular is going to win. I, mean, I don't necessarily have a problem with that. I'm just I'm just saying you should look at this ranking in the same light. Don't look at this as a definitive ranking of the best beers. Look at this as a ranking of the best of the popular beers. Well, sure. When you say people's favorite beers, you know, it's not necessarily every, you know, like... This is the 2015 Best Beers in America survey. You look at this list, and I can tell you for sure that our list is going to be vastly different from this one. Right? But it's it's a survey. It's... Yeah. But, I mean, I would not... I mean, so they shouldn't have called it Best Beers. I mean... (laughs) I'm just saying, look at this like you would look at the, those sort of award shows. They're and they're there for industry to you know celebrate and have their, their popular things, but they're not. It, it's not an explicit examination of what really are some of the beers that are going to be that, that may be likely to be like superstars in your imagination. I mean, the number one is Plenty of the Elder. I think it's been the number one for three years running. It's a very good beer, Plenty of the Elder. Uh, number two, right to Two-Hearted. That seems like <laughs> an interesting step. Um, Ballastman Sculpin, and Stone and Joy Two Heart. I mean, Two-Hearted is a fine beer. Oh, I'm, su- a, I'm surprised it got the... Uh, number two? Yeah, just thinking about the kinds of people voting that they put Two-Hearted to that yeah. high. You know, good for, good for Two-Hearted. You know, part the skeptical side of me says, you know, someone was gaming the system there and you know urged for votes but you know no good for two-hearted it's good beer i had it just the other day and it was quite tasty so the the, the top 10 plenty of the elder bell's two-hearted ballast point sculpin three ipas right away stone enjoyed by another ipa number five founders breakfast stout your first non-ipa is uh i mean it's okay uh the alchemist heady topper only comes in number six uh, number seven, Bell, again with Bell's Hop Slam. Number eight, Three Floyd Zombie Dust. Keep going with those IPAs. Number nine. So I'm curious how Zombie Dust got so high because it is like, as far as I know, much, much rarer than even Hetty Topper is. So well, like, the Elder is pretty rare. No, no, it's pretty widely available now. Really? Not here because you don't get Russian yeah. River, but I mean, the places that get Russian River, Pliny's pretty, uh, pretty available. It's interesting, you know, because sure, like Zombie Dust and Hitty Topper are kind of on the rare side to be ranked very high. Like, yeah. could a lot of people really vote for that? But uh, number ten, uh, Firestone Walker Wookie Jack, which is um, that's not an IPA, right? That's I don't know which one Wookie Jack is. I'm trying to remember which one Wookie Jack is. It could be an IPA. It's, it, it's, I think it, that it, link goes to a clone brew recipe. I guarantee you, it's something hoppy. Uh, American style black ale, so yeah, an IPA. Um, 
Uh, I mean, it go, and it goes on from here. Uh, Deschutes Fresh Squeeze is number 11. Uh, another stout here, uh, Left Hand Milk Stout. Number 12, tied for Sierra Nevada Pale Ale. Uh, number 12, and also tied with their Torpedo Extra IPA. Uh, 15, a beer we're going to be trying tonight, Bourbon County from Goose Island. This is bourbon. This is the barley wine, though, which oh. probably isn't the one they picked. No, they picked the Bourbon County Stout. Russian River Blind Pig IPA, Arrogant Bastard, KBS, Russian River Consecration, Supplication. Deschutes okay. Butte Porter is probably the one on there that I that I like the most of all. Like that of that of the top twenty one, that's probably the one that I would put. Like that's probably my favorite of of those. I wouldn't go that far. It's a fine beer. It's I, a fine. I, beer. I wouldn't go that far. If I had to choose it between those and, and like, well, I don't know. Okay, it's tough to say. All right. Anyway, lots of IPAs, lots of just lots of lots of very hoppy beers and lots of very high alcohol beers. Very typical of what you might expect. Don't look at this for an example of interesting beers that are going to blow your mind. Look at this as an example of this is popular beers and they're probably going to be pretty damn good, but they're not going to blow your mind most likely. Clickbait. We live in a world of clickbait. What are we doing next? You're nursing that porter over there. I was reading. I was reading. All right. I think we should do the Saison next. We have Saison here from Abito Brewing Company. This is the Two Boots. This was sent to us by Abito. Yep. Thank you, Abita. 6.2% alcohol by volume, 25 IBUs. This is a 22-ounce bomber. It pours fairly clear. It is a bright yellow going to golden. has a nice creamy head on it. They use Pilsner and wheat malts, hopped with uh, Perlet hops from Germany. Raw honey. And is there anything else that's added? Pepper, pepper lemon balm. It actually has a pepper mint type flavor to it, is what I'm smelled on my first sniff. Or pepper lemongrass or something like that. What is lemon balm specifically? It's uh, the balm of the lemon. <laughs> Let's look it up. Thank you. I think it's a yeah. Lemon balm is a uh, is another type of. It's not lemon. It's, oh, it's, it's called a, two boots. I'm sorry, I, I didn't mean to interrupt you. For, forgive me. It's uh, it's a plant called lemon balm, uh, Melissa officinalis. Okay, it's a perennial herbaceous plant. All right. So the reason it's the called, mid family. The reason it's called two boots is this is a collaboration between Abita, who is in Louisiana, which looks like a boot, mm-hmm. and Italy. Uh, Tell me Italy. Hmm? Tell me Italy. Italy. Yeah! And Birrifico del Ducato. So, two boots. I was looking at the label here, and I'm like, hey, there's Italy and Louisiana on the label. Maybe there's something behind the name. So, yeah, uh, Lemon Bomb is in the mint family, so that may be why you're getting some mint. Um... 
Lemon balm is often used as flavoring and ice cream herbal teas, both hot and cold, often in combination with other herbs such as spearmint. Okay. Yeah, the aroma is is it's it's a combination of the pepper, but there's a fair amount of peppery phenolics coming off of the beer as well. This flavor comes from citronella, geranium, and linel acetate and okay. Yeah. <laughs> Lots of compounds. Close the Wikipedia page, Greg. You're going to go down a Wikipedia wormhole and just... (laughs) (laughs) Click, 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 click. Okay, so they say that honey is added to the brew house at the end of the boil, and lemon balm and peppercorns are added in the aging tank. Oh, interesting. It's kind of dry hopped. Yeah. Dry peppered. Dry balmed. This is Abita's first ever collaboration brew. Flavor. Um, let's see. It starts off kind of on the sweet side, kind of wheaty. You know, but, uh, I would estimate that it probably tastes like it's probably about like thirty percent mm-hmm. wheat or so, like that. So there's a little bit of kind of that grassy spiciness from wheat, but then it kind of goes into the sweet malt, and then from there the phenolics start to kick in. You get kind of this saison peppery type flavor. A little bit of flour, and then you actually get into the actual spice of pepper and that lemon balm. It kind of is coming across. I'm not getting so much of the mint in the flavor, but it seems like there's a little bit of extra tang that it's adding and and maybe some uh, lemongrass type flavors as well. This is kind of a more overt or robust form of Saison. It kind of jumps right out at you with some flavors, uh, you know, and then lets the sort of, the, the more farmhouse qualities the, stay um, in the background and, and color the, the outsides of the margins while there's still this lemony uh, up front uh, sort of wheat and lemon combination. The, um, the malt profile on this and maybe even some of the primary yeast character is very familiar to me and, and uh, I was just took another sip and it really hit me it's, uh, it's a lot like hennepin <clears throat> uh, my memory of hennepin is not as clear as yours might be but okay. it, I I think I mean, I'm with you. I mean, yeah. towards the end where the pepper and the spiciness, you know, that's not mm-hmm. hennepin, right? That's different. But the beginning part, yeah. especially if you take kind of like a, a quick sip and just pull it through, it, it really is familiar of hennepin to me. I think there's that citronella flavor is, is coming through a lot. Um, it's kind of nice. It's a... Mm-hmm. It, 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 this is not a... A laid-back saison. This is a you know for a very flavor-forward version of the style. Would this keep mosquitoes away if we were drinking it outside? Uh, maybe <laughs> if you burn it. <laughs> no, the the flavors are like really straightforward. Mm-hmm. You know, lots of bold flavors. It's a pretty good drinker. Has a nice sweetness to it doesn't finish you know dry or minerally or anything like that if you're looking for us 
if you like saisons that are more subtle and have sort of more grassy, more farmhouse quality mm-hmm. notes, this probably is a, little, uh, a great one. But I think if you're looking for something that is saison-like but has but is really pretty bold in its flavoring, mm-hmm. this is a pretty good example. Uh, so it, as long as you keep that in mind, I think this is a um, a, a pretty awesome. Uh, a pretty awesome example of something to you know take take a style, throw a different sort of spin on it, and see what comes out of it. And you get something pretty good. Yeah, the collaboration is. I mean, I shouldn't say the collaboration is good. The integration of the uh, non-standard ingredients that works really well in here. Here's something we do uh, occasionally. We hope you uh, don't hate us for it. Um, but uh, hey, if you want to support us, I didn't come in too hot. You like that? You like how I had the level? I also li- lowered it too. Oh. <laughs> so I brought it down like <clears throat> you know, like ten dB over, or yeah, it's like ten dB lower. So if you want to help the show, if you want to support the show, if you want to put money in our pockets to help produce the show, to buy beers, to get us to do things when we travel. Uh, it's easy because you don't have to give us money like directly out of yeah. your pocket. You you buy the stuff. You you're can gonna... if you want to, but I mean, we we now give you the option, so you don't even have to do that. Right? You you need stuff. Amazon has stuff. When you buy stuff at Amazon, you don't start at Amazon.com. You start at craftbeerradio.com/slash/amazon, and then you just buy the stuff you need, and it costs you nothing more, and we get some of the money. It's like the greatest racket ever. <laughs> Craftbeerradio.com slash Amazon. Thank you, everybody. Do, 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 do. So I'm still I'm finishing up this. Okay. What's, what do you want to do next? Do the IPA next. Right. I want to save the smoky guy for last. Mm. Actually, well, what's the ABV? We'll have to figure out if we want to do the barley wine last or not. That's Both pretty, yeah. pretty bold flavors in both those beers. Okay. This is a can that was sent to us by Jamie Barlow. Jamie Barlow. The second can that he sent us, because the first one exploded in transit. Jamie uh, is very diligent in packing things. He puts each bottle or can in a Ziploc bag. And thank goodness he did, because this one went kaput the first time. And he sent us a second can, so thank you so much. Jamie is among our favorite people i think jamie had a couple sour beers in the finals at the nhc and he didn't win mm. i'm sure they were good though well we have to we have them in our fridge so we will know when yeah. we get around to drinking it, it seems a little weird to to do them fully on the show because no. it's not like you can it's not like we can no we're not going to drink yeah. them on the main show if he had won like gold medal you know for yeah. sour beer at the nhc maybe i would have drank it on the main show but since he's a loser, uh, we'll drink it in the pre or post show. <laughs> Hear that, Jamie? So this is Creature Comforts Brewing. This is Tropicalia. 6.5% alcohol. 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 Yeah. They, I, I, I think that the idea here is this is one of the more tropical IPAs. This is, they don't tell me what's in it, but I'm guessing that this is sort of that new, that newer style of IPA where you're going for tropical Oh, flavors. it's the kind that I, you know, uh, just all over love. Mm-hmm. Can't this get enough is, of Mosaic and Yeah, this Citra. is the kind of stuff that, yeah, the it, it, IPA is going in directions different than just hit you with Chinook and, and Simcoe. Great. Creature Comforts is in Athens, Georgia. And 
That's where they film Walking Dead, isn't it? I think so. It's also where Fish Center is filmed. Oh, yeah? It's it's in... that might be Atlanta. Yeah, Fish Center is Atlanta. Yeah. So, on the can, it does say ripe and juicy, aromatic and balanced. It does have a lot of a, of a tropical, a pretty pineapple, maybe a little bit of mango aroma coming off of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, pineapple's a big part there. The color is a uh, orangish, right? It's a little bit cloudy. Mm-hmm. Bronze. Mine's a little bit more cloudy here. Do you want to... Uh... Oh, <laughs> we gotta blend. Make sure we got the same beer in both glasses. We haven't had a lot of stratification issues lately, but we've been drinking beers that I think the stratification wouldn't have as much. No one expects the stratification yeah. issues. <laughs> okay, okay, Monty. That is ripe and juicy. In the flavor. That is exactly what I've been ta- ra- talking about to people about how there's these great new IPAs that have these tropical flavors. They're less apparently bitter than the IBU suggest. I mean, this is it. This mm-hmm. is one of those beers. I have to take another sip. It's just, it just so luscious. It's so yeah. juicy and so <laughs> enveloping. It's still flavors that, that lean towards some of the orange, but then they go into the big tropical stuff. Like you said, the pineapple... Uh, mango. Here's where I think pomegranate might come in just a okay. bit. Um, although pomegranate generally gets a, a I mean, you associate it more with sort of darker fruits, uh, but or you know, pitted fruits. Mm-hmm. But this is it can also have a tropical affectation. A little, a little bit of maybe grapiness. There things that that are yeah, like like I I thought like I'm tasting. And it's, I think it's more of a texture or it's a sub, sub flavor. It's, it's hard for to, hard for me to say because I want to say there's like a touch of banana, but like, that's not what's yeah. supposed to be. It's not there. a banana ester. It's, yeah. it's a, it's one of those things where, you know, flavor is, is, is a mind con. It, it's something that happens in, in mm-hmm. your brain as it's putting all these things together. So it's an emergent, it, it emerges out of these chemicals. Right. And so some of them, the relationships are very similar. I mean, like strawberry banana flavor is something that we're kind of mm-hmm. used to. And if we yeah. get something that goes along those lines, pulling that it can through. pull it back. Yeah. I, did, I was hes- like hesitating saying it because I mean, if there was a straight up ethyl amyl acetate flavor in here, that's not what the brewer right. wanted almost certainly, but that's not what it is. It's more of this like little nuance of, Maybe yeah. plantain or something. It, it it's the is the memory of banana being recalled by these flavors, mm-hmm. as opposed to an actual banana flavor, right? And okay. that's fine. It, it, it's it, because it's it's a bouquet of tropical stuff mm-hmm. and tropical things, right? Have, you know, they have all these associations with them. So it's tangentially yeah. banana. <laughs> tangentially banana. That that would be a great name for an IPA. <laughs> You made one that like this. You don't want to call it Tropical, you call it Tangentially Banana. That might be the name of the show. <laughs> Let me write that down. I like, I like that name. This is a tasty beer. Yeah. It's, let's see, where's the thermometer at? It's fairly on the warm side, sitting through the pre-show and whatnot here. Yeah, we're drinking it at probably 
three degrees or so like that. I got 60, 67 on the oh, really? thermometer. That's uh, that's well, yeah, that, that's pretty. Uh, sixty five. So yeah, mine's at, at um, mine's probably at yeah sixty or so. Still, I mean, the, it's warm enough to really yeah. be wide mm-hmm. open, and it's extra ripe tasting when it's this wide open. There's maybe a little apple coming through too, some sort of droopy quality, but that's the thing. There's a mm-hmm. lot of fruity flavors here. It's not this bitter bomb. It's not right. this big resiny. Yeah, I mean the IBUs could be thing. there, it's just not apparent because the humulons that come out of these hops are, are different from what we're used to back in the day. Uh, the, we haven't talked about the malt at all. I mean, it's 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 there. It's not really noticeable. Mm-hmm. It's kind of a kind of lightly toasted malt. You know, there's yeah, um, yeah. A, a little uh, maybe sort of baguetteish. It's mm-hmm. yeah, it's along those lines. So, it's a nice platform mm-hmm. without overwhelming, you know, the flavors. And the flavors are really, the, those tropical flavors are really what, you know, the star. And it's awesome. I'm really happy with it. I'm glad that he's, that Jamie sent us another one. The second after one. Yeah, that's the first one taste. exploded. This is the Creature Comforts Tropicalia. Tropicalia. There's an ascent over the first day. Yeah. Well, maybe a little bit of guava in there. Maybe a little bit of passion okay. fruit. I mean, there's a bunch of little things in there. Kiwi. Mm-hmm. All those tropicals. It's a tropical fruit punch of a beer. So enjoy it and, and pick out your own tropical flavors. So out of the four beers, that's three cans tonight. I mean, this this can thing is catching on. <laughs> it's just, you know, like over the last two months, like yeah. over half the beers we've done have been come from cans. Yeah. You know, it's it's interesting that, like, it's hit a tipping point where it's, like, the majority over the last month or two. So that does remind me, another news story that I wanted to talk about uh, that we briefly conversed about online was Jester King. Oh, my goodness. Did you guys see this news story? Jester King is going to start putting some of their beers in green bottles. Why? Because the brewer has tasted... Classic Belgian saisons in green and brown bottles, and he prefers. He thinks the green bottles are better. I.e., he actually likes the skunk quality that comes from the beer. He actually says this. He he. Let's see. I'm going to try to find the quote. <clears throat> I feel they add character even beyond skunkiness. <laughs> Even beyond while, while, green ba- while green bottles permit the risk of light struck skunky character, I feel they add character even beyond skunkiness. So many breweries have attempted to mimic the classic saison Dupont yeast profile, and I feel what is most often missing is the light struck character that is integral to the profile of that beer. I mean, I don't know about you, but when I get a skunk saison Dupont at the price point that I have to pay, I'm pretty pissed off. Yeah, that that is not a pleasing quality to me it, it, it's it's the brewery he can make his own choice i think only i, mean, I don't i don't think everything is going to be releasing he's going to release some in green bottles and some silver right. brown i mean i can kind of get it right if you can like control the number of seconds the, the number of lumens of uv light hitting the beer and it's small enough that the skunking isn't crazy uh-huh. i can i can imagine that he has tasted something that there's a there's a secondary side effect right. that 
plays with the yeast profile that is neat. But and I can also it, it, it's a time bomb. It's a yeah. landmine. Yeah. It's it's like you can't control. Okay, so here's what he does. He needs to have a green bright tank. He needs to ages beers so he gets it where he wants and then bottles him in brown bottles. Well, I, I mean, it's it's the brewery. He can do what he wants with it. I I, I think that if you taste something... Putting stuff on if, shelves in green bottles is insane. If you taste something enough, you may start to appreciate it, even if it initially was gross to you. Now, I should say that Jester King doesn't have to put stuff on shelves. I think the beers that he's going to be putting in green bottles are going to be like the beers that people line up for yeah. and buy well, he's talking about instantly. Le Petit Prince, which we've had and we loved. It was like three point something percent. It was we th- we think it was the the second runnings of, of a barley wine because it was full of flavor but still at three percent. But man, I I would not want to have that skunked. That one wasn't so hoppy, and I think he's talking about doing other saisons in the green bottles too. It just that's so. I mean. Whatever, man. Whatever floats your boat. It, it's but a, it's, it's like interesting... I said. Like I said, it's a landmine because yeah. if you get it to the point where it's not skunked, but you get that interaction that he's looking for, fine. But how do you keep it from going the next step, which is going to ruin the beer? I mean, it was way back in the first, uh, somewhere in the first hundred episodes, I think, where I did the, the scientific explanation of what happens when skunking happens. I have to go back and look at my notes because I don't remember all of it, but. I do remember that this quality was detectable, you know, in one part in in a billion. Of the, I think it's like four or five parts per billion. Yeah, it's it really, really tiny amounts of of this uh, isohumulone um, radical that that cleaves and then forms the um, the uh, mercaptan, the isoprenal mercaptan, is so. <laughs> He just loves talking about cleaving captains. <laughs> I mean, but th- but just just getting that you know, and captain is is, is the, these sulfury compounds that mm-hmm. we recognize, like in, that they put in natural gas so we can smell it. Um, yeah, it's it, it, it's it's not typical for somebody to say, "Oh, I like that." Mm-hmm. Not anymore. At I least. mean, I, I like I said, I don't want to be a dead horse. I get that there could be a secondary reaction that yeah. is pleasing. If you can get that second reaction without getting the skunking, but like I said, it's it's a freaking time bomb. Mm-hmm. Like I said, put it, get a green glass bright tank, get the reaction you want, and then bottle it in brown bottles, something like that. Bottle it in can, put it in cans. There you go. Protect it from light completely, so it can't do anything more. I mean, brown bottles are are good, but they're not perfect at protecting from UV light because riboflavin. So. Right. I made the executive decision to do the smoked Maybach before the barrel-aged barley wine, because that one's probably going to be crazy flavorful. All right. And I think, hopefully the smoke doesn't burn us out, but uh, I think this is the safer path. Okay, so this is one that, that uh, when Jeff said he had it, I was like, okay, we have to try that, because this is just something that you don't see very often. I mean, IPA, brown ale, uh, Berliner Weiss is more and more popular saisons. This is a smoked Maybach from Hardywood. They send this to us. Yes. Hardywood sent this to us. Thank you, Hardywood. So, the the Bach beers are lagers that have a lot of uh, a lot of malt in them, and then they they do various things to make different, you know, double box and my box and yeah, my box are typically a springtime beer, Capricorn, 
goat in, mm-hmm. you know, so brewed in February, served in March, April, I would say. And um, characteristics of a Maybach are typically golden. They're a little hoppier than many Bachs are. And um, I don't know. <laughs> I wasn't expecting to uh, give a whole style description. Brewed with Pilsner, Munich, and Vienna malts. Uh, Beechwood smoked malt. So they actually use the Beechwood. <laughs> As opposed to some other breweries, which simply use it to flock it without the yeast. Did you listen to the Peter Buchart History of Wood Salon? I still want to. I haven't got a chance okay, to. Okay, I listened to it. It's pretty good. I'll let you talk. Okay. We'll, talk we'll talk about that while we're drinking this beer. Okay. Uh, 7.2% alcohol by volume. So, yeah, I bet the barley wine is going to be more than that. And it's a spring 2015 beer, so you should. It, it's probably available. The next release. Well, next is next week is, is, is uh, April seventeenth, twenty fifteen. So, so did you try to say the name yet? No, I did not. Uh, while per while well, well, is not while well, is not. Yeah, so there's knocked. It's not something night. Yeah. Uh, Walperg is um, it's kind of a I it, I think it's it's horns. Um, I remember there's a like a mythical creature, like a Walpurga thing, which is like a rabbit with goat horns or something. Okay. But um, so I mean, on the label we have a, uh, uh, I think she's a nude maiden, uh, riding a goat over a bonfire. Yeah. A male goat, absolutely with horns, and the other bit that would identify a male goat. So Walpurga is not. I'm going to just take a wild ass guess. A knight of the horns. Okay. The um, definitely smoky on the aroma. It pours very clear. It is kind of a copper color. The head felt has fallen down since we poured it. It poured with a moderate head, but it's fallen down, and uh, very smoky. The smoke kind of comes across. Uh, you know, I, I think the Bamberg Rauschmalt is beechwood. I think that's what they use for that. That's that's very common German style smoke malt to use. I think that's probably what's in use here. Well, Perkins, that means witch's night as opposed to oh, okay. witch's night. She said druid. Doesn't look druish. There's not much in the aroma besides the smoke. You get a little bit of maltiness that kind of comes across as uh, like a light toffee or something like that. But, I mean, behind all the smoke, it's really hard to... Oh, actually, I got a little bit of hopping, too. Kind of like a Noble's, like, Zotz-type hopping on the nose. But it's hard to find. I just happened yeah. to catch it, like, uh, just at a fleeting glance. Box you don't expect to have... You know, the big American hopping, you expect it to be noble. Right. In my box, stuff. I think, are probably... I expect more hoppy hop character from uh, my book as opposed to other kinds of box. So, you anyway, you were going to get into the, the Peter Buchart. Oh, the Peter Buchart one. So, um, in particular, he was talking about Beechwood. Mm-hmm. And... So, one of the reasons Beechwood is very important, and not just at Budweiser, well, there's the only ones still employing it this way. Uh, Iron City, for example, could have employed it this way, because when you had horizontal fermenting tanks or lagering tanks, 
when yeasts settle out, if the yeast settle out and aren't in contact with beer, like relatively close to where the beer is, they'll start autolyzing, like starting dying and giving off Band-Aid flavors. In a conical fermenter, the problem's really bad, but also in a conical fermenter, you can crop the yeast off the bottom. So you suck out a huge slug of yeast, and it's not much yeast in the fermenter, and you, it, you don't have to worry about the autolysis. But when you're on a horizontal tank, you can't mm-hmm. pull the yeast out. You pull a little bit of yeast out, and then beer starts coming out, because it's horizontal instead of an co- inverted cone, right? So the reason the beechwood in Budweiser's lagering tanks and in many ancient breweries ancient might not be the right word, but historical breweries, is these horizontal tanks, the beech wood, the yeast would settle on it. It's not so much surface area like we used to talk about. I guess technically it's part surface area, but it's a place for the yeast to settle where it can still touch the beer. And then it's able, it doesn't die. It doesn't Mm. basically, suffocate's not the right word, but you can imagine it, you know, yeast that's buried way at the bottom of the pile would suffocate and die. Right. So that's kind of what the beechwood's for. And there was actually, Peter was talking about experiments in, I think, like 40s and 50s of using Crowley aluminum strips as the thing to and put the in these tanks. For them to basically land and them. yeah, and you can clean them because, you know, AB spends a lot of effort boiling these beechwood strips and caustic to keep them sanitized. Yeah. So, so oh, that, that's very interesting to me, and just an example of the kind of stuff that's in those saber salons, and particularly that that Peter Burkhart one, which I've heard is great. I, I, I mean, like from that's many like the people, first one I listened from to. many people I've heard that one was just awesome. So I totally recommend people listen to that one, if nothing else, listen to that one. Yeah, it's in our it's in the main feed. Probably keep it in the main feed for a month or so, mm-hmm. and then we'll move it just to the saber feed. And if you uh, you can get it from our, our Saber um, link on our site, or you can go to craftbeer.com in their um, in in their education area. Yeah, craftbeerradio.com slash Saber is the URL. I just want to also point out yeah. that it's also available on mm-hmm. on the beer uh, yeah. the Brew Association site. All right, back to the though. <laughs> well, Pergishnacht smoked my bog from Hardywood. I mean, the smokiness, the smokiness definitely comes through. It's like most box box tend to be, you know, sweeter. Obviously, mm-hmm. they it has a sweet quality to it. The smokiness is there. The hops are kind of just there's a little bit of a spiciness. Mm-hmm. You know, these are noble hops. It's 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 tasty. It's not the smoke is really powerful. Yes, and. You know, especially in this environment, we're tasting a bunch of mm. beers. It, it's overpowering for me. It's I'm not enjoying it all that much. I'm trying to place myself somewhere else where this is like the only beer I'm drinking. Mm. It's pretty I, smoky still, though. I kind of like the audacity of it. I kind of like the mm. audacity of making a smoke Maybach. I mean, that, that's cool. Just the idea of, of making right. one is, is pretty cool. So, I mean, like, if you're going to drink a Roush beer yeah. anyway... Right, uh, Roush beers, smoke beer. I think there's some nice things in this beer that you don't normally get in a Roush beer. You definitely can taste that it is a block. It has that saturated malt flavor, mm-hmm. that rich, you uh, juicy is not the right word, especially after the last yeah. beer. But it's is um, it's kind of a di- it's more direct in some in some sense than than ales. Sa- ales I mean, tend to be a little bit more fruity. This is kind of more direct. It, in it's the a very sense. saturated malt yeah. flavor. It's dense. It. I mean, so dense. See, I don't like the word dense. I like saturated. I don't think I can improve upon that. All right. 
It's uh, <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm thinking of of a of a, of a parody commercial for Viagra from SNL. <laughs> but but the idea of it being kind of a chemi- chemical enhancement of, d- brings the wrong idea. But it, the the Bach is sort of a intensification of a very specific kind of flavor the the way it works it's opposed to a very specific sort of intensification of that maltiness that's different from other intensifications you can get through, through doing ale stuff it, it it feels like lagers uh have have something to say, there, there's a little bit of more separation between things and lagers as opposed to ales things are more melded together i think that's the best way i can describe it okay I didn't want to leave you hanging, but uh, yeah, I think we're ready to move on to the next beer. Let's finish up these glasses. I think I'm not sure any new adjectives are going to come to us. It's it's smoky. It's balky. Smoky in a flight smoky. of of doing CBR type beers. It's uh, it's definitely smoky. <laughs> um, it, it I'm not always a huge fan of smoky beers. I uh, I'm I'm kind of digging it. I'm I'm not um, I'm not opposed to the smokiness. That could be a flight thing. There's lots of things that 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 it could be. Uh, So I'm not going to say that it's absolutely because the beer is awesome. Because I don't know if the beer is like awesome, awesome, but the beer is fine. I'm trying to figure out why our drinking water tastes like hose water tonight. Have you noticed that it tastes off? Did Did you fill that up today? No. We're drinking last week's water. Yeah, I guess so. I I, I thought that you filled that up today because no, that's why. There's a week of dust floating in the water. That's why it tastes like hose water. I came down. Greg was already down here. The glasses were sitting on the table. I figured that's fresh water. I, I, your computer was down here. I know you'd use your computer, so I thought you came down here. You had you. I, a, I didn't. I was, was actually. A, there was a thing of beer here, so I thought you were down here. You had. I see. So we didn't communicate. Yes. Lack of communication. Now the kids were watching a movie. I was over here actually writing some code. So. Okay, we finish our. Mm, excuse me. Finish our flight with Goose Island's Bourbon County Barley Wine. Twelve point one percent alcohol by volume, an English style barley wine aged in bourbon barrels. This beer is from Jim. Thank you, Jim. Hopped with Pilgrim and Styrian. Those are that's an interesting uh, collection of hops that I've seen them before, but I have not uh, really looked into them. This is going to be my first ever Bourbon County anything. Mm. Malts are used: pale crystal caramel and dark chocolate. Like we said, twelve point one. So a lot of malt is being used here. Mm-hmm. 60 IBU. Beer pours very dark for a barley wine. I mean, you can kind of see highlights through it, but I mean, it looks almost, it looks stouty, portery. But maybe it's like a very, very dark ruby instead of a black beer. I just took a look. They they put on their site reviews and links to Beer Advocate and Beer and Rate Beer. Both of them give this a hundred. I mean, you smell it. You smell this rich malt, oakiness, vanilla. I mean, if I was smelling this blind, I would say this is a beer from the brewery. 
wouldn't you? I mean, it smells like a, a it, brewery beer. It smells like it smells I, very if, if, I, and rich. if I had to name a beer blind, I'm like, this is Black Tuesday. <laughs> you, you might, I mean, yeah. The, the only thing I would say is that it doesn't smell quite as volatile. Right? It, doesn't, it, it doesn't have as it's not an eighteen percent. It's only a twelve. <laughs> but it still smells yeah, boozy. Yeah. It smells active. I mean, it smells whiskey like. Oh, it smells wonderful. And mm-hmm. it, it's still, oh my god, that smells fantastic. That's it. Yeah, pretty good. The the color, as we said, it, it's it's very dark brown. It's not completely a. Uh, but but for a barley one, I mean that's yeah, very I mean, dark. If you just glance beer. at it, yeah. you think it's a black beer. But yeah. if you really look at it, it's not. The head's completely gone on my glass now. It looks like a still beer. That's going to happen with any mm-hmm. high alcohol beer. Mm-hmm. The, the head is not maintained. Greg still has a ring around the outside, but yeah. mine mine looks still. The yeah. head's gone. I was kind of doing the whole tilt the glass and turn. The aroma. So you're getting definitely. Like kind of like the the cinnamon vanilla. I'm not getting so much wood. I'm getting more of the sweet kind of bourbon type flavors off the aroma. Wow! That and then is... big, big malty. Uh, you know, this, this definitely smells like an English bar style of barley wine. You know, without a bunch of hops. I took a taste before Jeff did. That is pretty excellent. That is. Okay, uh, it didn't immediately hit me as oh my. barley wine. I mean, the first thing when I said it was old ale, and then barley wine kind of comes in later, that's sort of the sweeter qualities. Uh, but I got oh a lot of um, I got a lot of the um, stone fruit flavors. Okay, uh, plum and um, for me, it was bread pudding. So it was that's kind of I mean they're very okay. similar, but the raisins yeah, were in there. Yeah. But you know, for me, it was like that that eggs and bread and excuse me. And then I actually got a little bit of huge. I mean, I know, paying I know, a, I know, a lot of I money for the, these buttons. This is the money that people sorry. have donated to us that we've put into these buttons. Yes, you don't I even know. use. I wasn't them. expecting the burp. I'm sorry. It surprised me. The. Um, actually got a little bit of like burning in the back of the throat kind of like a whiskey like type alcohol uh, volatility on the thing i mean wow that's it, good it gives off to me the impression of a slightly more sweet old ale really more than a barley wine but that's good because i love old ales right. and barley wines are always one of those things where uh, I'm always iffy, and then I taste them, and like, oh yeah, they're great. So, <laughs> <laughs> I kind of get what you're seeing, right? Because it's it's a if anything, because of everything else, the saturation of flavors in this beer, you'd expect a for a barley wine, you'd expect a little more body mm-hmm. up front, and it's it's well, it's not aqueous, it's it's moderately thin up front, and that. Kind of. I mean, it's, it's got a very. Like an oil for me. Is you can you can feel the surface tension the alcohol is adding to it, but at the same time, it's not quite as chewy mm-hmm. as some other things. It, it's still a little. I mean, it, it still has that vaguely oily quality, the sort of motor oil 
stickiness quality that that, that it comes from a high alcohol beer, but yeah, it's 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 a little bit less chewy than, than a barley wine can be, just in terms of the way your mouth kind of interprets. Yeah, I'm a couple coming. sips in now, and I'm getting more of the stone fruit, mm-hmm. the stone fruit and pears, cherries. And I'm actually getting less of that bread pudding. The maltiness is kind of less apparent after a few sips. Lots of fig. I think there's lots fig. of fig. Yeah, fig's through. a really good call, yeah. Straight up figs. That's so good. It's, it's well, I, I see really why people good. really go bonkers over Bourbon County beers. I mean, this is the only like I said, this is the only one we've had, but it's a good one. If if all the other ones, I mean the stout and the vanilla stout and the coffee stout, I think they do, are all like this one. This is tasty. Wow. Well, I think I want to take my time with this one, so mm-hmm. let's do some rankings. All right. Well, I I have a feeling we both have number one in our head. <laughs> I think we do. All right. So here's the beers. From the bottom, mm-hmm. I'm gonna have to start with the uh, the Hardywood. Just the uh, smoked Mybach, you know, really smoky. You know, on its own, you know, it might be a better experience. But when you're drinking all these beers, it's just a very potent smoke flavor, and it's really hard for me to get behind such a potent smokiness. And what do we got? We got six beers. So in fifth place tonight, it gets a lot harder. You know, there was definitely one outcast and then five good beers. Um, it gets really hard, actually. I like all it's, these beers. Yeah, this is this was this is a hard luck loser mm. show. Yeah, yeah. So the next one is definitely a hard luck loser. I think I'm, I don't know. I don't know. Let's see. We, so we have the Bonfire Brewing and we have the Abita. I have my list the, if, you, if you want me to do my list first. Maybe you'll convince me. Yeah, or, or at least give you some structure sure. that you can build upon. Number six, I agree with you, Hardywood. I mean, I I just think the other beers were more in, interesting. I, 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 I think I, I liked it more than you did, but at the same time, I just felt like the other beers had more to offer. Uh, at the same... I think, though, in the same kind of sense, the round guys go as number five for me. I think that it, it was... It, I mean, a very good Berliner advice, mm-hmm. but the other beers just were giving me more stuff, more more things to to explore, more more, more ideas to sort okay. of comprehend in relation to it. Uh, and I, I, I would kind of say that then, you know, we have a little bit of a separation here. I really did like the two boots from Abita a lot, but it wasn't my favorite kind of Saison if I'm going for it. I, I, I like a little bit of a more subtle Saison as opposed to really this kind of robust Saison that they're going for. I can appreciate it, though. I think mm-hmm. it's really good. I think if you want a robust Saison or, or, or you know, some Saison flavors with a lot of robust extra stuff going on, I think it's a very good example. Number three, I'm going to put the uh, Dem Shits, the Bonfire, um... I still have a, a very, you know, I, I still love a good brown ale when it's made, and, the, and especially a, a deep brown ale that gives you those similar flavors, but is a little bit more, um, a little bit more pushy about it. I kind of, I, I kind of like that. I love those, 
Um, I love like the nutty brownie else too, like the the pecan one. I'm trying to figure out who that was. Lazy Magnolia. Lazy Magnolia. Um, so stuff that gives you brown ale, but at the same time is also giving you a little bit more, a little, a little extra. And so that's kind of it's kind of playing into in, into my likenesses. So that there you go. Number two, I think I have to put the creature comforts. Number two, uh, great, great, great beer. The kind of IPA that we really love now. That this is this is the direction that IPA should be looking. At. Not necessarily saying at all IPA should be tropical, but if you're gonna go with hoppy. Go interestingly hoppy. Don't just do the same kind of hoppiness that we've been seeing for 10 years. I'm kind of over that. I get it. I get that kind of beer. Mm-hmm. I understand why people like it. Simcoe. All Simcoe all yeah, the time. All Simcoe, all all Chinook. You know, I, I get it. And I'm not saying that those are bad beers. I'm just saying we've been doing this show for 10 years. <laughs> I like it when you when you play with what's going on. This is a very playful and uh, and it's both at the same time playful, but also you can tell it's very experienced people making this thing. Because man, those those flavors worked great. Uh, but this Goose Island just came, and just kind of uh, blew everybody away and said, "Oh yeah, okay, you guys had some great beers, but here." Try this. Yeah, try, try this. this. Uh, and th- this is something pretty pretty exceptional, so I'm going to have to put the Goose Island as number one. All right. So I was able to work out my formulation. The Hardywood, the Walpurgisnacht, well, it's going to be in last place, like I said before. It's just that smokiness is very overpowering, especially when we're doing this kind of show. In fifth place, I am going to put, as a... Totally hard luck loser, the the bonfire brewing the brown ale, uh, the dem shits brown ale. Uh, it was a very good beer. What I liked about it was I liked how it was really open with the flavor. It was a borderline you know brown porter. You know had some of that roast to it. It had um, the Willamette hops came through and it gave you some kind of uh, evergreen you know with a little bit of fruitiness to it. And um, big flavors. It's a good way to examine a Willamette hop, too, I think. Yeah, yeah. I think it really showed the Willamette hop as good as I ever tasted Mm -hmm. a showcase of Willamette. Uh, Two Boots will be in fourth place. I really enjoyed that, too. Like I said, it it seemed really familiar when I was drinking it. And it made me think of Hennepin with, with extra spices added to it. And I dug it. And uh, third place is going to be the the Berliner from Round Guys Brewing. I really liked this Berliner Weiss. It was a big boy Berliner Weiss. Lots of tartness. You know, had that yogurt character to it. It had serious tartness. It wasn't all lactic tartness. There was actually kind of yeah, yeah. different kinds of tart. You know, maybe a little bit of citric or something like that. It, it worked. It was really good beer. The Tropicalia from Creature Comforts was delicious. Everything Greg said. Let me repeat it here, but I'll just point back to what Greg said. And then, yeah, the Bourbon County Stout. I mean, I mean, sorry, Bourbon County Barley Wine from Goose Island. This is a special beer. It's, like I said, this is my first Bourbon County beer. Smelling it, drinking it. If I was going blind, I would probably, if I had to pick the brewery, I would have said it was the brewery. 
you know, uh, you know Patrick Rue and the, and crew yeah. out in Orange County, California. It just had a character that was very similar to what they do in their crazy big beers. And uh, yeah, heck of a show. Good beers. Good beers. Chad. That was Chad Gently Banana for all of you guys. Who are Whoa! See, that's why I didn't. Know yeah. Craft Beer Radio is released under the Creative Commons license. You can visit craftbeerradio.com for more information on what that means. If you want to contact us, you can send us a tweet at craftbeerradio, at Jeff Bear, or at CBRGreg. And uh, Greg's skipping around on the song here. That really is going to sound great. Uh, if you want to send us an email, it's beer at craftbeerradio.com. And thank you, everybody, for listening to this show. And uh, I guess we'll be back next week with a little... 340. I figure we should end on this this part, the sort of okay. the love theme from <laughs> Thank you for listening everybody. Don't, don't end yet. Oh.